morning uh, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3 sorry uh, yeah Colossians chapter 3 commencing at verse 5 and it says put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of God is coming you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which has been renewed in the knowledge in the image of the creator here there is no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Syrian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, <coughs> holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with <coughs> compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect union. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, in much of today's Christian Christianity, there is a, a lack of true conversation and transformation in the lives of those who are attempting to follow Jesus. And it's because many are being seduced by a watered-down version of Christianity, and that doesn't challenge people to put off the old nature by being crucified to the world. So today we must keep in mind that the goal or the ultimate destiny for the Christian is to come into the fullness of Christ, being changed or transformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, sorry, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, the, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Also, it goes on in, in verse 4, sorry, it goes on in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, and it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have received mercy. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God but even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing and these scriptures not only show us how being changed and transformed into the image of God is our ultimate destiny but it also shows that when we feel the change, as we've been directed to, it affects our ministry to those who are perishing. In other words, if we don't show whose we are and what we are, we are showing a false 
image to people outside. Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your, your life, appears, then you will also appear with him. You know, in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the character of, of a new man that has been formed in every Christian who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his saving power. And here we have Paul making a, a transition from a theological statement to practical precepts in Christ. And in these verses, Paul lays the foundation for effective change in our lives. Because our lives have been raised with Christ this morning. Our lives ought to be different to those outside. They ought, they ought to reflect a new pattern of life in the Lord. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 2 in the King James Version it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The same verses put in the uh, New Living Testament, it says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honour and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think about things down here on earth. You know, the dominant word in those two portions of Scripture there, the dominant word there is set. And it says, we ought to set our minds and affections on things that are above. And they're the realities of heaven today. Because if we ought to see true and lasting change in our lives, it means setting all our thoughts on Christ and his kingdom. And it, it is a, the person who has been raised with Christ who sees things from the, from the eternal perspective which should result in having their whole pattern of life on earth being dominated by this change. So in other words, this morning, if you don't know the Lord, come to know the Lord and see how your life can be changed. My life has, has been changed dramatically in the years that I've known God. And uh, it just amazes me that people don't take the opportunity to do that. So as we walked according to the world, it tells us, but how God has raised us up together in his likeness and made us sit in the heavenly places with Christ. Just think of what we can achieve through Christ this morning. We can be sitting there with God when our time on this earth finishes. We can have life in eternity. Ephesians 2 verse 5 and 6 says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So as we, as we think of faith and unbelief, we think of the, the ten spies that came back with a, a bad report when they were sent out by Moses to spy the land. They came back with a report based on unbelief because they were not seeing the things through God's perspective. God had put them in that position 
but they just could not see what God wanted them to see. And on the other hand, Joshua and Caleb came back full of faith with a good report because they knew that when where they they knew where they was going to be seated. They had set their minds on the realities of heaven. So the reason for the call to this new way of living and heavenly mindedness is the fact that Christ, the believer, has died to the world and his life is now hidden in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 3 to 4 says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You know, this word hidden, it says, your life is hidden. It says, hidden expresses a permanent condition created by God in Christ. So we are going to be with him in eternity. The fact that the Christian's old sinful nature has been crucified, it's been taken away by our Christ going to the cross and being buried together with him in baptism and he is now we are now liberated and resurrected to, to live a life pleasing to God where we must be accepted by grace through faith. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Also Galatians 6 verse 14 it says, But God forbid that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. So being crucified to the world means that we are now in a state where we are actually in the process of putting away or putting to death the sins of our past. Also Colossians 3, 5 to 7 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life. For that is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon you who do, do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of, the, of this world. So the words, so are therefore, found in the beginning of verse 5, signifies the transition from doctrine to practice. So we are changing from the, the bad things into the good things. The connection between, sorry, the connection between doctrine and practice and duty is very important because in the end we really believe, behave as we truly believe. We express what we fully confess. In other words, our actions are based upon what we believe and confess. You know, 30, maybe 35 years ago when I came to know the Lord, that was me. That was me. I was deep in sin. And I couldn't, I, I didn't think I could find a way out. But God come into my life. And he changed my life. And he can change your lives this morning. Romans 8, 12 to 13 says, So dear Christian friends, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful, sinful nature urges you to do. For if you keep on following it, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it, and its evil deeds, you will live. 
Dear, in 1 Peter 2 verse 11 it says dear brothers and sisters you are foreigners and aliens here so I warn you to keep away from evil desires because they fight against your very souls you know we, we've only got a certain time on this, on this earth and God allots that time you know so use your time well use your time well the idea of these scriptures is that we if we are to live in heaven we need to deal with the reality here on earth. I'll say that last bit again. If we are to live in heaven, we need to deal with the reality here on earth. You know, what we do here on earth will, will conduct what we do when we get to heaven. Colossians 3 verses 6 and 7 says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. You know, we've all been there. We've all sinned. No one is, no one is, uh, <coughs> can say that they haven't. You know, so the wrath of God is directed against the devil who, who uses our sin, his angels and the sin which destroy those from who, who Christ died for. But it's also coming upon those who refuse the only remedy for overcoming the power of sin and that is Christ's atoning death this morning so in the light of the reality of God's coming wrath Paul exhorts the believers to destroy their deeds of flesh if we don't kill them they will eventually kill us and there will be no return on that Colossians 3 verses 8 and 9 says but now you yourselves are put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man in his deeds. The expression of being putting off is a strong calling for a, a complete putting off of oneself and all that pertains to our old lives. We have to strip off completely the, the former habits which we sometimes tend to cling to. They are like an old garment, it tells us in the Bible, and we ought to fling them away like an, out or an outward suit of clothes. Let's have a look at some of these things that we've just said there. Anger and wrath. Associated with anger is wrath, or vengeful rage it calls it. Because when anger boils up, there is wrath. <coughs> Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Malice, anger and wrath are bad enough. But malice is worse because it's more deep-rooted and deliberate. It is anger heightened in, in people. Lying is a false statement or a piece of information deliberately presented as being true. It's a falsehood. Lying is anything meant to deceive or give a wrong impression. John 8 verses 44 says, you are, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. You know, if we let the devil get a hold of us, if we let the devil come into our lives, we are lying. We are not given praise to God or, the, or Lord, the Lord Jesus in truth and that's a problem 
we see from the above scriptures that it's been asserted that when in regular contact with fellow believers and even non-believers, we must speak the truth since the old man and his practices have been put off in Christ's death. Notice the words once again, putting off. They imply to something that we have to do. You know, it can't be done for us. We have to do it. Some Christians never stop practicing sinful habits because they expect the Lord to do it all for them. The truth is the Holy Spirit will help us when we decide we are going to get serious and put these areas to death in our lives because the Holy Spirit is our helper today. Romans 8 and 11 says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Also Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man in perfect Christ Jesus. To this end I also labour and striving according to his work which works mightily in me. But what about putting on this new nature? And why is it an important aspect of our salvation this morning? You know, this is more of a statement and on the need for changing by clothing ourselves in Christ and in his nature and how the transformation comes about. We must keep in mind that the, the goal or the ultimate destiny of a Christian is to come into the fullness of Christ, being changed or transformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face behold us in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, in the previous thoughts that I had there, we looked at uh, traits or patterns of our old way of life, that Christ commands us to put things off. We saw that we ought to put away sins of the past, such as fornica fornication, uncleanliness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness. We also saw that we ought to put thing off things such as anger, wrath, malice, and lying. So now let us be focusing our attention on those character traits that are essential for us as new creations in Christ this morning. We must realise that an active response to God's will involves constant change in our lives. The new man is created in true righteousness and holiness, meaning that if Christ is truly part of our lives, we are walking in his righteousness we are going to be taking on his very nature. Have you ever thought of it that way? That we are going to be like God. Like God. Ephesians 4 verse 23 and 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. Which was created according to God in true righteousness. And 2 Peter 1 says. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we have to realise this morning that the provision of the divine nature through repentance from sin and faith 
and in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit belong to the divine society of the Lord. But the application and the fulfillment of these in the human is the human responsibility of every believer. These character traits come with being born again by God's Spirit. But the full development of his divine nature in our lives is our responsibility. Nobody can do it for you. It is your responsibility this morning. The Bible says we ought to put on the new man. The new man. God has potentially given believers all things that pertain to life in godliness. And it is the believer's responsibility to take what God has given and use it for the glory of God. So our goal as Christians is, is to have our negative characteristics and habit patterns that have been formed in us by sinful natures to be transformed into Christ-like characters. And for the new man or nature to come forth that God has created. Well, Colossians 3 verse 12 to 15 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgive you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You know, the, the above characteristics of Colossians 3 are essential characteristics, aren't they? They must be in each and every one of us if we are to grow into balanced and mature Christians. We have to take off all the anger, malice and everything like that and we have to replace it with the love of Christ. And what are these brief char uh, characteristic traits though? Let's have a look at some, descript some descriptions. It says, tender mercy. This is a heartfelt compassion that is expressed with the tenderness of the heart because God comforts us through his mercy. We are able to comfort those who are in need. You know, when I was writing this down in it, that that bit there, it's you know, it says, because God comforts us through his mercy, we are able to comfort those who are in need. How many times have you prayed for someone who's been ill? How many times have you prayed for somebody who was in need? You know, you might have been through that situation yourself. You may have been in, in a situation where you've been in need, where you've been in that, that sick person. But if you don't show compassion to the others, how will they know? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, our God is such a loving God and he never lets us down, does he? What about kindness? Kindness has to do with being of a friendly nature, it tells us. A person who is generous, hospitable, good and warm-hearted. It is often exhibited in the acts of kindness 
that show consideration, sympathy and understanding towards others. A kind person is courteous and thoughtful towards others also. What about humbleness of mind or humility? Humility has to do with being aware of your own shortcomings so that you don't exalt yourself above others. It also has to do with showing an attitude of respect. You are satisfied to be lowly and unpretentious. You know, pride comes in all shapes and sizes. Some of us put ourselves on pedestals from which we judge the faults of others. Others are also so wrapped up in themselves that they cannot take their eyes off their own inadequacies. A poor self-image is not humility. Paul exhorts us neither to exalt nor to belittle ourselves, but to think with sober judgment today. Romans 12 and verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So we, we ought to be clothed with humility, because God resists the proud, it tells us in the Bible. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. What about meekness? Meekness is a strength under control, it tells us, and has to do with a consideration for others and a willingness to waver your rights. It is important to keep in mind that neither meekness nor gentleness is to be confused with weakness. You know, we can show meekness, we can show gentleness towards people, but it doesn't have to be shown as a weakness in ourselves. The meek are those people who humble themselves before God because they acknowledge their utter dependence upon Him. In consequence, they are gentle and in their dealings with others can be tender and gentle with people because you are given control of your life to God and you don't have to win all the time. There's lots of people out there who have just got to win all the time and they'll give everything to, to win things. 2 Timothy 2.24 uh, 2, says, The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. Forbearing and forgiving. To exercise forbearance means to endure, <coughs> bear with, put up with by Christians towards one another. Because forbearance and forgiveness are qualities of meekness and patience in action. Mark 11, 25 and 26 says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Luke 17, verse 3 to 4 says, I am warning you. If another believer sins, rebuke him. Then if he repents, forgive him. Even if he wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, forgive him. So no matter how much you are sinned against, you must be willing to forgive. We must be continually be willing to forgive others 
as Christ has forgiven us and continues to forgive us. Love. Love is the crowning grace of our new nature in Christ. Because love is the glue that holds everything together. God's love is that glue that holds all our lives together. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 48 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether they are prophecies, they will fail. Whether they are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish. You know, each of these character traits show how we as Christians ought to be clothed and how we ought to believe in our dealings with others, particularly with fellow believers. You know, these are the character traits that will enable the body of Christ to come, to come forth as one new man. Think of Peter, a man, a man who was a fisherman, who later became a powerful man of God as his character was transformed. A man whose very shadow healed people. What a thought that if we could be some, somewhere near where Peter was. So the first step of faith in this process of becoming new in our lives is that of believing in Jesus Christ, <coughs> who he is and what he has accomplished for you. You must believe you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this morning and in the coming days, let this be the confession of our faith that comes out of our mouths. You are no longer in bondage to sin, the Bible tells us. You are being made completely new in Christ. Believe and speak what Christ has made you to be this morning. Change your lives. Be new. Don't keep the simple ends. The old things are all gone. Amen.